Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Fenske. What does St. Louisans Robeson Park have in common with the Wild West Chimpanzee Show at the St. Louis Zoo? Well, both no longer exist, and both are depicted in a new book showing off historic photos of the Gateway City. That book is called Scenes of Historic Wonder, and here with me today to talk about it is Cameron Collins. He co-wrote the book for Reedy Press with Jamie Burasa. Uh, Cameron, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's great to be here. For those of you listening at home, we're wondering, what's something you remember from St. Louis history that's gone today? So if you have a question or comment about that topic, you can give us a call at 314-382-8255. That's 382-TALK. Or you can send us a tweet at STL on air or email us at talk at stlpublicradio.org. Now, Cameron, this book shows off a remarkable array of photos. And the thing I kept wondering is, where do you get your hands on photos this good? It's great. Uh, well, my co-author, Jamie, uh, is a uh, archivist for the Missouri History Museum. Uh, but we had a great time scouring everywhere for these photographs, not just the History Museum, but uh, places like the Campbell House Museum. Uh, and then just personal archives. A few of these photos came from a guy who owns an antique store who found a bunch of glass plate negatives at a garage sale. And how did you even find this guy? I from one of my previous books, I had gone into his shop looking for old postcards. And when he saw what I was doing, he called me, you know, back into his back office to look at his at his collection, and I was blown away. And I knew I had to bring him back on for this book. So, so some of these uh, may not even be known to archivists prior to this book, right? And and that's also, you know, there's still photographs at the Missouri History Museum that they are still digitizing and, and uncovering for the first time in years. It's There is a wealth of photography all over that's still yet to be found. I feel like the hardest thing about a book like this, it runs such a wide gamut that conceivably you could have included thousands more images than what you used. Was it hard to decide what made the cut? It, it was not. It was actually kind of fun. And I'll even tell you that when the book was originally proposed, when we first talked about it, it was supposed to be a humor book where you would look back at these funny little moments in St. Louis history. Like there were a lot of chimpanzee photos and, you know, people, you know, in costumes and so forth. And uh, I pushed to kind of go more of a historical route. But you'll see that there's still a humor aspect in the book as well. There's like, certainly some funny stuff in there. Th- yeah, we kept some of the good stuff. Like we had to cut out. There are more pictures of chimpanzees in costumes in St. Louis uh, that I care to, to even count. So we, we chopped a lot of those. But uh, there's some good stuff in there. Like one of my favorites is there's a photo of a ukulele club at Roosevelt High School. And so I, I went a little humor with the caption. And, I, and the caption is... The first rule of ukulele club is you don't talk about ukulele club. So, And it was, I mean, it's this amazing photo. It's these um, nice looking young women sitting there. It must have been in late 30s, early 40s attire. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And they're all posed with their ukulele. Was this a craze sweeping St. Louis? It was. And, and that's what's amazing about a lot of the photographs is we really went back to look for, like, how did a ukulele club form in St. Louis? Well, really, like the story comes from the ukulele itself. It was a relatively uh, inexpensive instrument. It was cheap to make, and so it was easier to get. Um, A guitar club would have had far fewer members. Uh, So there's a lot of hidden history in St. Louis and just things like that that make photographs like these 
fantastic and amazing. So as you say, there are some really hilarious gems in this collection. What made you decide that you also wanted to sort of hit some of those more serious notes? Uh, I think that's uh, Jamie and I, our personal preference and our love for St. Louis history. And there's a, a famous, if you ever come to one of my presentations, there's a photo that I'm so glad didn't get into the book. It was uh, a photo of a uh, like a kind of disparaging look at River de Pere, you know, our our other famous river in St. Louis. And, you know, it, it played up its River de Pue, you know, and it was just kind of a cheesy color photo of, and I just didn't feel like it fit. So it, I, it felt too mean spirited, or yeah, it just wasn't, and it wasn't funny enough. Mm-hmm. And so we went in with a different photo of River de Pere, of uh, a massive tunnel that goes under Forest Park, where they diverted the river uh, to, you know get it out of the way of the World's Fair. And I found that to be a much more interesting story. Yeah, so. that was such an eye-opening photo for those of us who just think of the River de Pere as almost this this drainage ditch running through the city. You get a sense of what a massive construction project that was. Uh, it was um, an engineering marvel that when it was built, that it was uh, it was actually honored as a, as a historic, like, site in, I think, 1988. Hmm. Yeah. So back in the day, the River de Pere, this was cutting edge. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, speaking to that sad side of things, which this book does get into, there's a positively devastating photo of Lafayette Park after the 1896 cyclone. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting because I think you can see that same base of the bandstand that survived. It's still there today. The photo and the statue of Thomas Hart Benton is still visible. And that's a, that's actually a photo that's a little more common that we put in the book. But that was such a dramatic part of St. Louis's history. To this day, uh, that cyclone in 1896 is still the third deadliest and third costliest in American history. And it ravaged South St. Louis and East St. Louis. So it's, you know, we did want to to bring in some, we actually, we actually even have a chapter titled Hard Times. Hmm. So. Yeah, there's, <laughs> there's some moments that make you laugh. And then there's moments that remind you mm-hmm. that life was hard. Yeah. Oh, yes, very much. On that subject of life being hard. Um, one of my very favorite photos in this book, you've got an amazing story or amazing photo of a three story outhouse. Yeah. And I understand this wasn't just here's the one three story outhouse. This was a common thing. Right. And the this is a, a fascinating aspect of St. Louis as you drive around downtown St. Louis today. And somebody like me is amazed to see, I look at empty lots and spaces and I think of what used to be there. And uh, many people don't realize that in in the 1870s, St. Louis was a highly congested, densely populated urban center with uh, tenements and people living on top of each other where they actually had to put they're outhouses on top of each other to make room. I mean, that's amazing. Yeah. So this idea is you would maybe step off your the back of your apartment into this yeah, high-flying outhouse. Yeah, and there would be bridges built uh, if you were up on an upper floor so you didn't have to walk all the way down and walk back up. You could just walk a little along a little gangplank. Uh, you probably that was an apartment complex or a tenement where you preferred being on the top floor, I guess. So. I mean, the whole area just must have stunk. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. So give us a sense. I mean, how crowded was St. Louis back so, in the day? Uh, so in I, the numbers will escape me, uh, but in St. Louis, the city grew so rapidly in the 19th century. Uh, I talk about a photographer in the introduction. When he moved to St. Louis, 
uh, in the late 1840s. St. Louis probably, you know, hovered around 100,000 people. When he died 25 years later, uh, the city uh, had more than 350,000 people. Wow. And at that time, it wasn't until 1876 that the city's boundary uh, extended past Grand Avenue. So the city stopped at Grand Avenue uh, at that point. So imagine 350,000 people. So the city's current population, all living east of Grand. Yeah. That explains the three-story outhouses, really. Yeah, yeah. So some of these other photos in here, um, the backstory is almost um, the most amazing part of the story. And I'm thinking of specifically the photo of Campbell House. I was hoping you were going there. This is... One of my favorite, uh, I'm a volunteer at the Campbell House. It's a place dear to my heart. And, and for those who aren't familiar with that, tell us, where is this? And um... it's, it's on 15th and Locust. It's a historic home. Uh, and it is one of the most amazing historically preserved uh, homes in the United States, over 90% of what you see is original to the family that lived there. Uh, And they lived there from 1854 until 1938, 84 years. And the story of the family is remarkable. Tell us just a little bit about this family. Yeah, Robert Campbell was a a, a fur trader when he came to St. Louis in the 1820s, and he spent 10 years in the Rocky Mountains, walking back and forth to the Rocky Mountains and uh, trading furs. And uh, he came back to St. Louis in 1835 and married his... uh, I. You know, Robert and Virginia Campbell, I, I refer to them as Rob and Ginny, lovingly. And uh, they had 13 children, but only three of them survived past the age of seven. Hmm. That's a, a sobering part. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so uh, the museum has been open since 1943. And uh, the Campbells, as I refer to them, were great help with this book as well. They donated Uh, or let us use a few photographs. So tell us about um, this particular photo that you're showing. Mm -hmm. Um, This photo was a huge discovery. How did it come to light? It was. This is the most remarkable story. So the the museum's been open since 1943. And in the early years of the museum, it was really just, you know, let's make it a pretty house. And, you know, it's something that uh, downtown St. Louis didn't have much more of. Uh, and then in 1973, uh, I believe it was a um, somebody's barber found a leather photo album in a pile of junk, and he opened it up, and inside there were 60 large format photographs of the interior of the Campbell House uh, that were taken in 1885. Mm. And he walked over and handed it to the director of the museum at the time, and it was the first time that, you know, the museum had been there for 40 years, and it was the first time that anybody at the Campbell House had seen photographs of the house at that point. And what a, I mean, what a coincidence, what a stroke of luck. And as a result, it, t- it took some time, but as a result of those photographs, eventually the decision was made, let's renovate this home back to what it looked like hmm. and, and move towards a more historic look at what life was like in the Campbell family and St. Louis at that time. We're talking to Cameron Collins. He's the co-author of Scenes of Historic Wonder. He wrote that with Jamie Barassa, and he's telling us about some of the highlights of this amazing book, which includes uh, more than 100 photos of St. Louis back in the day. I think 200. Okay, yeah. yeah. (laughs) Big, big number of photos here. Um, There's a lot of great sporting photos Mm -hmm. in here, and that includes one of something called the Motor Dome. What was that? The Motor Dome. This is, I'm glad you brought this one up, too. This one in the Campbell House are the ones that are probably my two favorites. Jamie's She's got great fo- uh, favorites as well. But the Motordrome uh, at the corner of Grand and Merrimack in South City, right across from where 
uh, the Feasting Fox stands today. There was once a park named Priester's Park. Uh, and in that park was a circular motorcycle arena called a Motordrome. Uh, it was about a quarter mile. Uh, it had could hold about 10,000 spectators and had a bank of 62 degrees. And other Motordromes around the country, their banks were much uh, like more like 20 degrees. So this was very steep. Yeah. And these crazy guys on motorcycles would, would race around, um, at, uh, going about 80 miles an hour with, on machines without brakes. Somebody told me a few weeks ago that they actually even rode them one handed because they needed to put oil in the engine with their other hand. And, uh, it was a, it was a deadly, endeavor there were I mean I, literally people people were dying oh uh, actually it was it was so common that that is why we don't really have the sport anymore there was a terrible accident in New Jersey where the motorcycle there was a crash and one of the riders flew into the crowd and several people were killed and uh, I always say then it seemed that people came to their senses and decided baseball would be St. Louis's sport. So. Seems like a wise decision yeah. on the part of our population. Yeah, yeah. Um, some of the other sporting photos that are amazing um, come from the 1904 Olympics. Mm-hmm. Um, tell me about George Iser. George Iser, uh, he was a German ing- immigrant who was a member of the Concordia Turners. The Concordia Turnverein was, is still located on Gravoy Avenue. And I love his story because uh, in the 1904 Olympics, on one single day of competition, he won six medals. And that is a remarkable feat just to win six medals. But his story is even more uh, remarkable because as a child, he was hit by a train and lost a leg. So he competed in one with a wooden leg. So that is some ridiculous uh, upper body strength. So. so he's kind of the original, um, what are they called, the Paralympic athletes. Yeah, yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. Um, you've also got one of the other Olympic pages. There's a 71-year-old competitor. I was shocked by this. Oh, it, the archer. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, archery, it's not like you're running a marathon, but it, it feels like maybe the Olympics back in the day had a more expansive, um, they right. were very inclusive towards athletes of all stripes. Sort of, but also what's notable about that archery shot is archery was the only sport at the 1904 Olympics in which women could participate. Hmm. And uh, it was actually uh, the 70-year-old, 71-year-old gentleman was the father of one of the women competitors that day as well. So that's, I mean, I feel like you just must have learned so much about St. Louis history working on this book. What's your takeaway? What do you, what do you feel like overall is the thing you've learned about this city that you live in after going through all these photos and, and researching them? Uh, well, and it, it goes even beyond this book. It goes to work I've done, my own research, and uh, I am not from St. Louis. Uh, I have been here since 1995, but uh, it, there's not a doubt in my mind anymore that St. Louis is one of the most uh, historically significant cities in the United States. Um, I always joke with some other history friends of mine that the only city that can we that can really um, maybe edge us out is New York. Uh, but I even had a conversation with somebody recently who who made even a better case for St. Louis. But and it's not just the big stuff in St. Louis, and that's what this book does is. It's like a slice of life, Um, people going about their daily business and how they cleaned their windows and how they, you know, how the street sweepers worked back in 1920. 
And it really, the story of a city dealing with a, an amazing growth in the, of course, in the 19th century, and then going the other direction in the 20th century or after World War II. Losing some population. Yeah. And uh, St. Louis didn't, they didn't know how to handle it. And when St. Louis grew so quickly, they didn't know how to handle it. But you see all these innovations and so forth. And just the story of the city is, I think, remarkable. Like. Yeah, I love to see the empty lots around town because I know something was there before. And it might well have been a three-story outhouse. Yeah, of course. Now, as you alluded to, um, you have written now three different books yeah. um, about St. Louis. You've said this one was your favorite. Yes. W- what were the others, and, and why does this take the lead? Uh, so the first one was Lost Treasures of St. Louis. I came out in 2017, and that is kind of a walk down memory lane of movie theaters and restaurants and sports arenas that are all no longer here. And I love that book, and it changed my life. But many of those places I never saw on my own, um, but I had a great time researching them. Uh, The second book was uh, the third edition of St. Louis Brews, which is the history of brewing in the Gateway City. And it's hard to say that this book is... I like more than that one because that's very dear to my I heart. I say that's really your specialty. I know you're you can a tell long-time I'm a beer drinks drinker. writer. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, but as Sarah, you know, I I write this blog called Distilled History, uh, and this is the clo- where I just kind of went on my own to go find the interesting stories of St. Louis on my own. And this book is the closest to that. Like, you kind of like that exploration. Yeah. The Motordrome, George Iser are all topics that I've written about in my blog. And I don't get as many blog posts out these days, but it is what I love about St. Louis. There's just things that have happened here and people and personalities that require more you know, storytelling and exploration. So what do you think you'll be uh, writing next? Do you see another book in your near future? I do. I'm trying to convince um, my publisher to let me write a book about a big map. And that's all I'm going to say. big map. Yeah. Oh, you're teasing us with that. I know. I'm kind of teasing you. D- is this a map that has to do with St. Louis? Uh-huh. Okay. Yeah, well, yeah. we're going to have to have you on it's again. A, it's when a the... very big map. So oh. I think you may know what I'm talking about. I think about. I may know it. Yes. And yeah. I imagine our astute listeners might have a clue, too. Yeah. We won't push you too much, but that sounds like a great project. So I know you have a book signing coming up on this one. That's on December 7th. Yes. And um, where is that? That is uh, at the Missouri History Museum. And it's an author signing, and Jamie will be at that one. So, so the two of you will be there together. Yep, That's yep. great. And I know you had another book signing coming up as well for one of your your past works. Yeah, December tenth, I'll be at Alpha Brewing, uh, my favorite brewery brewery in the in the city in Tower Grove South. And at that one, I'll be talking about Lost Treasures of St. Louis. So I'm still doing presentations on the other book, as well. And tonight, I'll be at the Warrington Scenic Library. Talking Lost Treasures and a little bit of Wonders, too. And so so if people want to get this Scenes of Historic Wonder, other than going to these book signings, um, where can they line up a copy? Uh, Anywhere books are sold. uh, But my personal favorites would be at the museums. The Campbell House sells it. You can get signed copies there. The Missouri History Museum. I want to plug those guys first because... uh, they were so helpful to the project. Um, but also, uh, I sell them on my blog, Distilled History, but also then independent bookstores, Left Bank and uh, Bookhouse and all those places. All Barnes & Noble even has it. So. <laughs> well, Cameron Collins, uh, co-author of Scenes of Historic Wonder, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU.